You are listening to The Interactome, a podcast by a group of young researchers who want to connect you to the world of science by sharing their stories and perspectives. Just in case their bosses are listening, they want to remind you that the opinions expressed here are their own. They also want to remind you not to take anything they say as medical or professional advice, as they are not doctors. Not yet, anyway. Stay tuned about that. And, without further ado, welcome to the Interactome. Welcome back. This is the second episode of our podcast, The Interactum. In case you forgot, my name is Lauren and I work in cancer research, which is why I'm so excited about today's topic, which is cancer. You're excited about cancer. Researching it is definitely interesting, as I can attest. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm Joe. Uh, I'm also uh, doing cancer research. I actually, I, Lauren and I are actually in the same lab together. That's how we ended up um, on this podcast together. Uh, I'm also amped to talk about this for sure. I'm Sam. I do cancer-adjacent research, I guess. I'm a PhD student, and I work with uh, chaperone proteins, which were discovered as a, a cancer drug target, and then are more interesting for entirely different reasons. But uh, that's kind of my relationship to this topic, scientifically at least. So I guess I kind of do cancer research. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, I'm Maya. I am also a PhD student. Um, My lab does not do any sort of cancer research. So I am very much, I would say, like a newbie to cancer. Um, I kind of have encountered scientifically, like, a few papers here and there that I had to read for class, um, but I definitely am not as knowledgeable as the rest of our lovely hosts, and I'm looking forward to learning more from them. Um, so that's me, and I'm super excited to introduce our fifth Woo-hoo. node slash member of the Interactome podcast. Woo! Woo! So I will hand it over to our expert, Sarah. Hi, everybody. I'm Sarah. Um, I don't know if I'd say I'm an expert on. You're this, more of an expert than I am, but a little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I took I took a really cool um, cancer class in college, and it involved looking into a lot of literature and upcoming treatments and different therapies. So I thought that was really neat, um, and I would highly recommend perusing the literature if you have time, any time in your life. But a little background about me: I went to the same school as Joe for undergrad. And I did COVID research this past year, and now I am working as a medical assistant in a clinic. So a little bit of seeing patients, a little bit of research. And I think overall for me, I've been interested in science since I was little. Um, But I think what draws me the most to it is probably the puzzle aspect of it. I think no matter what aspect of science you're in, there's always some puzzle to figure out. And I really like collaborating with other people to solve those puzzles. So these discussions, teaching others, listening to other people's stories, hearing from them, their opinions, I think that's all super important. And I think it's important to broaden all our perspectives in order to solve said puzzles because it really impacts all of us. So there you go. Yay. We're so happy to have you as part of this this interactum. 
Um, and talking about puzzles really just like um, aligns with why I'm interested in cancer biology. So I find that cancer research, similar to a lot of other biomedical research, is just um, it's this one, it's this huge puzzle, right? This like thousand piece puzzle that's like all over the living room floor. Um, and I find like when I'm doing cancer research, um, I'm like just putting like one piece into the puzzle, but like there's so many pathways involved, so many different things. Like cancer is essentially our body doing what it's supposed to do, um, but on overdrive. So basically how cancer works or how it arises is normally our cells will grow and multiply as we need them and so we're constantly making new cells but our body is you know really smart and has evolved over time so all the old cells and defective cells are killed um, one interesting mechanism by which they're killed is called autophagy or auto I don't know how everyone else says it I say autophagy Autophagy. 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 I say I autophagy. Autophagy. I think. I think. I think that's like it's a hot hot. Debate. I, th I think. I think it's also pronounced a little different hot. depending on where Both you. Both are valid. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can all at least agree on how it's spelled. Either way, it's the cell. Like your body cells are eating, um, like old and dead cells, which I think is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's metal. Yeah, and I, I, I'm pretty sure that like there's at least some people who would fight you on your your pronunciation. So just want to let you know. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's right, but I certainly know, I certainly know of people who would do that. <laughs> Science is is a field of debate. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, cancer arises when um, your body's mechanisms to kind of get rid of these old cells and these dead cells goes awry, um, and so these abnormal cells are able to evade your. Um, your own immune system, your own uh, checks and balances system, and these abnormal cells then continue to grow and divide, and essentially this is how cancer arises, which is pretty interesting. So through doing cancer research, you really have to understand how the body works normally or should work, um, and so I think that's why I'm really interested in it, because I feel like I'm always learning more about like what's happening on the cellular and molecular process um, because we really have to know that to figure out what actually is going wrong yeah and I, I think just to kind of briefly piggyback that on off of that in like the very small way that i understand cancer it's like the proteins i work with they were identified first because someone made a cancer drug target realized it wasn't targeting what they were trying to target and instead come to find out it targeted the proteins that helped assemble the drug target um and so then all of a sudden everyone was super interested in these proteins. And from my perspective, as someone studying these proteins, these uh, chaperone proteins, we still don't understand how they work. So the whole like, oh, you got to understand how the body works in order to treat cancer is like super relevant because I don't think there's any commercial drugs actually in this system yet that I can, I might be completely wrong. Um, but they certainly reached the clinic, but I think that like, making better drugs requires better understanding of the normal behavior of the body. And like, that's kind of how I do sort of cancer research as I'm just trying to figure out, um, you know, what these drug targets normally do so we can do a better, so the drug development can go better. Yeah. I think bu building off of what Sam said, we, uh, maybe we should talk a bit about what, uh, targeting means in this case um you typically with a targeted cancer therapy um 
what we're trying to do is we're trying to kill the cancer cells while leaving the healthy cells intact in the body. Um, and you can do this by having a drug that will kill um, only cancer cells that have, for example, a specific mutation or that like have higher levels of a certain protein relative to other kinds of cancer cells or things like that. Um, but it, it's hard to do that. You, you, it's really hard to find a good, like a thing that really separates um, cancer cells from normal cells that you can also develop a drug to selectively kill uh, based on. Um, but it's really important because um, we, the majority of uh, cancer treatments previously uh, were highly toxic, not just to um, cancer cells, but also normal cells as well. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's just important to mention that aspect a little bit. That's why people do look for specific targets in cancer treatment. Yeah, Sarah, could you talk a little bit about that, about like general uh, therapies versus targeted therapies? Sure. So when I hear the word chemotherapy, and I'd like to hear your th thoughts on this, all of you as well. When I think of chemotherapy, I think of a really general treatment, um, which means kind of targeting any cell in the body, not necessarily just the cancer cells. And I also think cancer drug. Um, so maybe some pill that you take or some way of treating the cancer that's not as specific um, as something like an immunotherapy, which works through your immune system to specifically target a particular type of cancer. So certain examples that come off the top of my head or are certain pills that you'd take orally or maybe radiation therapy. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I think something to point out to people is that like cancer cells, because there's a lot of cells and they're dividing really rapidly, they do sell things, but they do sell things more than most cells do. Yeah. So like if you get something that kills cells that happen to be doing a lot of things that cells normally do to like, so they reproduce more, they consume more energy. Yeah. You know, like they're, cancer cells, they're cells are like, just they've taken like, pre-workout. They're like, they're just really going. going. And so if you can do a thing that kills cells, that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, it's like, so, so to kill a cancer cell, you just have to you know, you just have to make it so that cells can't do cell things, and the one the cells that do more cell things die more. <laughs> like, which I, yeah. that's just kind of how I think of it. Um, no, that's true. My... And I feel like that that's kind of where cancer research is right now, because originally we had you know uh, chemotherapy and radiation, which target rapidly dividing cells, because cancer cells are become you know these abnormal, hyped up cells on steroids essentially um and they're just rapidly dividing and like um they they gain um all of these capabilities um to make them more advantageous towards normal cells and so that's why we developed you know chemotherapy and radiation therapy that would target cells that rapidly divide so you know cells that use up a lot of energy but there are cells in our body that normally do that so stem cells normally do that um for example, um, hair growth, like this is why people who are on chemotherapy lose their hair because um, the cells that are producing your hair and uh, nails um, are also rapidly dividing. And so this is why they get targeted and this is why people lose their hair when they undergo radiation or chemotherapy. 
And so this has kind of led us into you know what Joe was talking about and with targeted uh, therapies. And that, Joe, are you also working um, on like targeted therapies in cancer? Because that's yeah, what I'm I, working on. I guess I am. Um, yeah, we're actually... Um, our pro like the project I'm specifically working on is um, focused on developing cancer drugs uh, that do selectively kill only certain kinds of cancer cells. Um, so in this case, our biomarker or the thing that um, we use to identify a cell that will die when we treat with our drug is high levels of two proteins, um, phosphodiesterase 3A and shalafen 12 are their names. Uh, I, I yeah, uh, th those are their names. Science is weird, um, but um, it it's hard to f even if you like in a um, even if like so for example we have um, we found that there is a specific subset of cancer cells um, that um, do respond to these uh, to our drugs. Um, we don't know for sure what what's going to happen if we actually test these kinds of things in a person. Like, even though we, we have done testing in animal models and things like that, uh, humans are different uh, than other other creatures. And so the, the most important thing that we have to do is clinical trials. So our drug just entered phase one clinical trials, which are really focused on um, just the, um, how should I put it? There, it's really not even looking to see if the drug works. It's looking to see if the drug is safe. Um, and so that's really that's really where we are right now. And sorry, yes? So, so Joe, I think something before we get too lost in the weeds here, when yeah. you talk about different types of cancer cells, I think the average person is going to be thinking about different types of cancer the way we talk about different types of cancer. And as biologists, we know that when we target cancer cells, we're not actually targeting breast cancer or uh, skin cancer or uh, brain cancer or something like so some specific type of cancer where we think about it in terms of where it appears in the body. Um, but I think that like, I'm not really sure what divides, what really actually divides cancer cells because that was the old way of thinking about it, but that's actually not biologically relevant, right? I, or not completely I, I think it really, it like, I guess this is kind of up for debate, but um, in general, like, I think where a tumor does occur does play a role. So, for example, like um, if you are uh, you have a, a tumor in the brain, like maybe it's a little harder to get it there because of the blood-brain barrier or things like that. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot of different kinds of cancers that appear in different places in the body that actually have the same molecular changes. So, for example, um, the uh, one of the most commonly mutated genes in all cancers is called uh it's a it's a gene that encodes for uh this thing called P p53 which is uh it's that's based on its molecular weight um like just how how heavy the the protein is uh, it's uh 53 kilodaltons and uh the kilodaltons is the unit of measurement for um like just how much a protein weighs uh, I'm getting very lost. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. so I think. I think it's really yeah, cool. But I, I do think, no, though, I think, like... I think, okay, so with cancer and, like, um, naming <laughs> cancer and, like, treating cancer, well, thinking of cancer as one disease, like, this is a whole topic of uh, 
we could go into, but essentially, um, as we know it, like cancer is put into different types according to where the first cancer cell arose, so breast cancer versus pancreatic cancer. But as soon as a cancer cell arises, so as soon as it has this abnormal capacity to you know, evade our immune system, then it produces more cancer cells, like it divides into more cancer cells, and these acquire even more genetic changes. And so this is why it's so hard to, you know, specifically target um, cancer cells. And I think like that's what Joe was talking about in that, you know, we can try to uh, target specific uh, components of cancer cells, but unless, but yeah, there's, I don't know, then the other cells can acquire mutations, um, and so you can have resistance, so that's why in some cases people undergo therapy, and it will work, and some people go into remission, and some people won't, um, so it's so complicated, which is why I said when you're doing cancer research, it feels like you just put one tiny piece of the puzzle on the floor, <laughs> and then yeah, there's just so many other things going on. Um. Something that I've always wondered about was, first off, like, if you are a person that has cancer, how does your body typically respond to that? And how exactly, like, are those cells able to evade your immune system? Um, and, yeah, I'm, like, really curious about, like, how, like, basically like all of our physiological systems kind of like respond to all of these abnormal cells and like what goes on with that and like um yeah I guess this could branch off into like um some like some things like immunotherapy but I've always been curious about like how that super works if that makes sense um Sarah do you want to talk a little bit about immunotherapy I know that you've been working with COVID and um maybe that could be an interesting cross-section. Yeah, I can I can talk a little bit about it. I actually want, I want to hear from you as well because the first thing that popped up into my mind, and I'm kind of going to rewind the clock a little bit, but um, something called the tumor microenvironment. So Maya asked, how can all these abnormal cells change certain pathways in the body and really physiological responses? And they create this thing called the tumor microenvironment at least from what I remember, and Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and they're able to do certain things in a collective. So, for example, one of the things that really stuck with me that I didn't know before was the tumor is actually able to send out signals to surrounding blood vessels to direct nutrients to their growth and kind of control the physiology around that, among many other things. So that's like one example. I don't know if, if you have specifics more on that, Lauren. Um, I mean, so I think it's interesting because the way, and this is also why um, I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with precision medicine and the rise of precision medicine, which is essentially wanting to treat each patient um, like specifically to their situation. And this is because all of our bodies at baseline at, you know, how they are healthily or I, I don't know how if we can say as they are healthily because, you know, not, we're not always perfectly healthy. But um, 
all our bodies already have different genetic makeups and so that is why some people um, are more you know prone to certain cancer types or to have um, more likely to have certain mutations um, and so yeah I think there's a lot of intricate details occurring at the cellular level um, that we still have to figure out um, yeah what were you going to say yeah so our body like doesn't have like a specific anti-cancer no, system not. going because on, essentially right? cancer is um, like your body doing what it's supposed to do just really, really well, just too well, in fact. Like your, your cells should be growing and dividing, um, and but cancer cells have just been able, you know, they keep acquiring like, um, you know, so how evolution works is we acquire, you know, better and better traits that like, you know, help us kind of to move along and to survival of the fittest. And so essentially that's what cancer cells are doing as they survive, you know, and divide. They acquire new mutations and new changes that allow them to survive in different ways and evade other mechanisms. So, so when, when you said, you said something like that we don't have a natural anti-cancer thing, but like, isn't, I've heard like P53 referred to as a tumor suppressor, right? So like that means that it prevents cancer from happening, right? So, and that those go away, then you get cancer. But doesn't that mean we have an anti-cancer system then? It's just when that breaks, then you get cancer? Yeah, um, I think it, honestly, I feel like this is kind of just a question of how it's framed. Um, but like, to my knowledge, um, P53 really is like the uh, mutations of P53 um, are one of are the some of the most common um, things that distinguish cancers um, on average, not all cancers, uh, from normal tissues. And so, I think to a degree, uh, one could and like one could say that yeah, it is a cancer suppressive mechanism because it's also it's also restricting. Uh, like its job is to control the rate of growth in a cell. Um, so it's really, I think the, actually maybe a better thing to, a better way to frame it is like nature doesn't really like when nature evolves, it doesn't really like look at itself and be like, okay, you're going to be tumor suppressor. That's what you do. Uh, that's just kind of how, what we call it. Um, so in cancer, um, like in a lot of cancer research, Air, like circles, uh, a lot of groups who do cancer research, they they look at this gene as a thing that suppresses the development of tumors. But in another context, for example, um, in just the normal cell physiology, it also like just plays a role in just keeping the cell cycle going at like a like a normal pace, not too fast. Um, so it, I think it really depends on just how you frame it. Yeah, I so P53 is essentially um, a protein that is involved in something we call cell cycle arrest and apoptosis, which is cell death. Um, and so it's one of the mechanisms in place that we have to check the cells. You, you know how previously I was saying, you know, we have all these mechanisms in place that check if there's defective cells or old cells. They it's kind of like a factory like our body's a factory you know and there's like all these checks and balances and so p53 is a protein that um, is involved in 
killings, killing cells that are defective. But when you have a mutation in P53, and this is why it's called a tumor suppressor, because without P53, or when you have a mutation in P53, so now this protein's not working, then cancer cells can evade cell cycle arrest and evade apoptosis. And that's how they're able to grow and divide. Does that make sense, Sam? Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think, yeah, I guess I just was kind of being maybe a little bit pedantic, but I think that's also an important discussion yeah. for people listening to this because you will hear like, oh, this this protein helps prevent cancer or whatever, and people use all kinds of different words for these sorts of things. Um, also, something to clarify, like the cell cycle is just the process. Well, as I understand it, it's just the process by which cells grow and divide. That's all it means. So you, it's a cycle because a cell a cell divides and that's like its birth and then it grows up and then it divides again and it just repeats. And that's why it's a cycle. Um, it's the process by which more cells are made. I also have another perhaps basic question, but also perhaps worth going over for pedantic reasons. So, um, so when everyone was talking about like, um, how cancer cells are very good at what they do, they're just like, normal cells, but they're super good at dividing and like keeping on growing and things like that. So something that I was thinking about was like, well, what happens to like all of the existing like good cells that are in your body? Um, perhaps like in that same tumor microenvironment, um, like are cancer cells, like when they're growing in abundance and then like being very good at like what they're doing, do they outcompete like for resources for those cells like um or like when they mutate perhaps like do they accumulate like these mutations that make them like non-functional they don't or like they don't do their job anymore or do they have like antagonistic effects too or is it kind of just like a case-by-case -case basis for each cancer is like something I wanted to ask <laughs> yeah uh from my understanding um because Again, I feel like cancer is such a, a broad topic. It is essentially a case-by-case -case basis, um, but generally the apparent or abnormal cells just crowd out the normal cell. The, yeah, the abnormal cells crowd out your normal healthy cells. Um, in some cases, they, you know, steal resources essentially like what Sarah was talking about previously about cancer cells being able to direct nutrients and oxygen flow towards them um yeah it seems we've hit a pause uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah it was it was a loaded question <laughs> Hi there, Future Sam here. Well, that was a loaded question from Maya, it was a really good one. We talked a lot about the biology behind cancer in this episode, and we want to put the rest of our discussion into a second part, where we talk more about what it's like working on cancer research in a lab. We hope you learned a lot from this episode, just like we did, and we also learned a lot from our conversation in the next one. We hope you'll join us. In the meantime, you can follow us on YouTube at Interactomedia, read our blog post about cancer at interactomedia.org, and join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter at The Interactome and on Instagram at Interactome underscore media. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode and science in general, as well as what you'd like to see next. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to share part two with you.